Hey, Antioch family, it's so good to be with you another Sunday service. I pray that it's been a blessing to you this far. Listen, we're going back into our series entitled Dream Assassins. This is part three, but don't worry, it won't be built upon necessarily the first two parts. You can go back and see those on YouTube, Facebook, the Antioch app. You can check those out to get caught up. But we're going into part three of our series entitled Dream Assassins. If you will, meet me in Genesis, the 37th chapter. Grab your device, grab your Bible, something to write with, something to type on, or either look up at the screen as we prepare to go into the Word. Father, we're grateful, thankful for this time you've given us to share together. We thank you for giving us a dream. Thank you for all that you've spoken over our lives, the, the seeds of greatness sown. We thank you for reaching into our tomorrow and bringing some of the choice morsels from there into our today to prompt us forward until we get there. I pray that there's confirmation given today. I pray that you revive the God-given dream, not simple ambition, but your desires, your plans for our life and future. And we'll give you glory for it. We'll give you honor. We'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis 37, we're not going to read the entire frame here or the entire chapter, but I want to begin in verse number 9. It says, Then he had another dream, and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream, and this time the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him. And said, what is this dream that you have had? Will your mother and your brothers actually come down and bow down on the ground before you? His brothers were jealous. His brothers were jealous of him. But his father kept the matter in mind. As I mentioned a moment ago, I want to use as the title for this series, Dream Assassins. But with this one, I want to give it a subtitle. And the subtitle is this. It's a statement. It is time for your departure. Yes, it's time for your departure. This passage, if you allow me to do just a brief review, brings us to Joseph's second dream. Long before Joseph ever had his initial dream, which aroused the, the hate of his brothers, his brothers already hated him because he was favored in an unusual way with their father, being favored with their father, then having a dream where there was different imagery in the first dream, but Joseph elevated the, he said, your grains or your sheaths of grain. Mine rose up above yours. It, was a, it spoke of his elevation, his greatness, and that he was rising to a, a level that his brothers wouldn't experience. After that first dream, they hated him more than they already did. And this dream is interesting in that not only do his brothers hate him, but his father comes on the scene. His father does not hate. His father rebukes. Rather than shaping him into his God-given destiny and chipping away those things that were maybe a little bit arrogant or pompous, but pushing him, propelling him toward greatness, they are all offended. 
His brothers are jealous, and they continue to hate on him. His father, as opposed to prompting him and pushing him, actually rebukes him because it makes no sense to him. He and his brothers were looking for their place in Joseph's dream. Sometimes it's helpful. Other times we get in trouble when God speaks greatness to someone and we look for how we will be positioned in light of their greatness. I've learned over the years to, to celebrate people because you should be great in your dream as opposed to hating on someone for their dream or the snapshot God's given them of their destiny, sometimes it's more important to celebrate them, to prompt them, to push them toward their prophetic destiny while crying out to God for what yours will be. Because the reality is, satisfaction comes not when you live out someone else's destiny, but when you're squarely situated in your own. But that's another message. Today we're talking about dream assassins. His brothers hated him. His father rebuked him, kept the thing in mind. Could you imagine Joseph attempting to share? He had a little excitement with it. All that God has shown him only for it to be met without celebration. There's no confirmation. There's no that is God. Seek him for more meaning on this. His brothers hated him all the more. His father the one that should have had maturity and, and wisdom and insight for his life. He loved him, but at this moment he rebukes him and he, he kept this thing in mind. It lingered with his father. It, it stayed with him for a while because it put them in an awkward position. When they considered Joseph's greatness or the dream he was speaking of, they couldn't quickly dismiss it because, again, they weren't elevated to the same platitude. It wasn't until he gets out of town, and we'll talk about that in weeks to come. In fact, this passage goes on in verse or chapter number 37 to talk about how his brothers attempted to kill him. They threw him into a pit. We're going to leave him for dead. One of the brothers comes and says, I have a better idea. We should sell him into slavery. He sold into slavery, and as a slave, he starts at the bottom but rises in the house of Potiphar to a place of authority, only second to Potiphar as relates to the command of his household. He was elevated there. Interestingly, it wasn't until he gets out of town that he experiences a degree of elevation. Right, if I could talk just for a moment to some dreamers, I want to talk to some people who have had dream assassins in your life. You've been in environments of toxicity where, where you couldn't even talk about what was really on your heart or you had to suppress what God really showed you to allow everyone else to be comfortable. Now, there may be some wisdom in that from time to time. Maybe Joseph wouldn't have been <laughs> thrown into a pit if he had a known who he was talking to. The moment he got a little hate, he, after the first dream, maybe he should have found a fellow dreamer to share his dream with or found someone who wasn't intimidated by the greatness on his life. Maybe he should have made his way to someone who would have celebrated him as opposed to rebuking him. But it wasn't until he gets out of his town that we begin to see the greatness of Joseph even in seed form emerge. 
Can I tell you really quickly? It's why you have to find inspiration from greater sources outside of your circle of brothers like Joseph or sisters or sometimes colleagues or even people that see eye to eye with you. There are people that are comfortable as long as you're both on the same level because here's what I found. Sometimes people are not only dreaming of their tomorrow, but they have an idea of what your tomorrow should look like too. Some folks are good as long as you're in the same place. You're starting at the same place and progressing at the same rate. They're fine with that because that's what they've assumed. That's what they've conceptualized as long as expectation and reality meet up, it is fine. If they imagine that everything would progress at the same rate in the same area in their life as it is yours, they're, they're cool as long as that's happening. Where equilibrium is messed up is when you begin to speak of things that you hadn't spoken of before. Or God sends inspiration or elevation that people were not expecting. And that's what happened here. It, it made things uncomfortable. Can I tell you that dreamers, I want to talk to some dreamers, you, you have to be used to discomfort with certain folks that are not fellow dreamers. And this is not a, an elitist mindset. It is not that you push people to the side or to the periphery because all of our dreams don't have to be the same scale, the same size. But I have smaller dreams than some people I know. What I've learned to do, though, is to celebrate them, whatever the magnitude of their dream is. Whatever the elevation is, I've learned to, to clap my hands and celebrate them. We have to find in this pursuit of our God-given dreams. And as we're waiting for the manifestation of all these things, we have to find places and, and spaces where they can be cultivated. Places and spaces where they're allowed to grow. Places and spaces where people who may not be going to the same place, learn how to celebrate your dreaming. The reason that many of you are tuned in now is because you've been longing for an environment, an environment where your heart can rest and where your dreams can flourish. Because it's hard enough, quite honestly, to believe that this can take place yourself. It's difficult enough to get through your own apathy and to, to work through your own laziness and to, and to process through your own doubts and fears and a sense of inadequacy. But when there's no agreement externally, that becomes even a greater challenge. And I say to you, the longer you stay in environments where your dream and person are minimized, the more the small starts to wear off on you. Yeah, the small mindsets, the petty reasoning, the confined thinking, the more you're attempting to step out on what God has given you, but stay in environments where your person and your dream is minimized. It's a matter of time. 
before you start confessing what they're confessing, before you start seeing what, what they see, before you start believing that maybe this is impossible. Maybe I am thinking too much of myself. I mean, surely one of my other brothers or my father or mother had a, had a similar dream. The, the longer Joseph stayed in this environment, the more their small would have started to wear off on him. In environments like this, genius is dismissed as average. And you can only light your own fire for so long when you're in those sorts of environments. Your dreams are dismissed. Your sense of the possibilities are dismissed. And it takes a unique individual to be in an environment where those things are constantly dismissed and downplayed to have enough fortitude to continue to pursue them. Can I tell you what happens most often? What happens most often is they talk themselves out of the dream. Yeah. There's somebody listening right now. You've, you've talked yourself off of the ledge. And not the suicidal ledge, but the, the ledge that allows you to leap into your God-ordained destiny. You've, you've stepped away from the dream. You have shelved or buried what God's placed in your heart. And it's not because you don't believe it's possible. It's because you've been in an environment where it didn't seem practical. It didn't seem feasible. It didn't seem plausible. You were in an environment of dream assassins. In that environment, your genius is dismissed as average. You start dreaming smaller. You dim your light. You forget who you are and start walking like a slave instead of a king. You start walking like a slave instead of a queen because you're surrounded by people who, whose mindsets have started to wear off on you. And they do that to keep you in your place. Because as long as your vision is not too big, as long as your dream is not too lofty, as long as your favor is not palpable, they remain comfortable. That's why you need environments and individuals that allow you to spread your wings even if it's in your own mind or mouth before it happens. You need environments where you can openly speak about your dream. Here we find Joseph. Surrounded by dream assassins. You need those that are mature enough to handle greatness without stealing your ideas because theirs are uninspired. Or without trying to shipwreck them because they're intimidated, as I shared before. His brothers hate him. 
His dad rebukes him and keeps the thing in mind. It is not until he gets out of town. Even in an adverse circumstance, we begin to see this turn around. Now listen, don't get me wrong. There, there's nothing I can't stand more than pastors that harp on all of your haters and all the people that are against you. I, listen, I, I don't have that much drama in my life. I'm sure they exist, but I, I'm, I don't preach this way on a regular basis. So I'm, I'm breaking my norm a little bit to even give this energy. I'm not an advocate of overemphasizing departure from people or leaving folks behind or highlighting haters or telling you need, you need to leave them alone. I'm more of a redemptive personality because my God is redemptive. My God is the God that makes all things new. I'm the kind of person that likes to look for the good in folks. Even the haters, at times, there, there is a part of them that is damaged. There's a part of them that is hurting. For every person that hurts you, there's a part of them that's hurting or malformed or, or, or their formation somewhere along the way has been affected. Now, I'm not trying to figure everybody out. Some people you just have to, to shake the dust on. But I, the pendulum hasn't swung so far to the left from me that, that I've made departure from relationships and departure from people and the demonization of characters in this world that still can be redeemed a thing on a regular basis. But there are times when what God is doing with you and through you not only takes all the faith you can muster, but it takes the proper environment for it to be nurtured. But this year, God is going to do for you what you are unwilling to do for yourself. Yeah, there must be separation among us. As the Bible says, for the elect to be known. There is a time where separation is necessary. There is a moment where separation is necessary. When I'm holding on to this dream, I'm trying to continue to believe God for. While in a toxic environment, an environment that is too small to contain it, God sometimes has to do for us what we will not do for ourselves. Here with Joseph, if God had have allowed him to stay in an environment where people were constantly antagonistic toward his dream. I don't know that it would ever have become a reality. So because Joseph won't depart himself, what God does is he allows him through adverse circumstances. He was thrown into a pit and sold into slavery because of his brother's hate for him. God allows this adverse circumstance to take him out of this environment into another environment. He is going to shift God for you. For many of you listening, is going to shift the relational architecture of your life to give you some spaces that you can grow in.
Yeah, he, he's going to do that this year. And it, just as it was turbulent in the life of Joseph to get him in a better environment, to get him into an environment where his dream could live, God's going to do some of y'all a favor this year and shake things up in a way. He's going to shake the nest. He's going to stir the nest to get you to fly. He's going to shake things up to get you to move. There's going to be some offense that comes your way that's undeniable to move you into an environment where your dream can begin to blossom again. He actually allows him Joseph, to experience adversity to move him away. Looks like he's declining, but he's actually moving him into a space where he can begin to grow a little bit, where he can begin to expand a little bit. An environment that looked like it was bad, being sold into slavery, but there in slavery, he's given a little bit more latitude. There in slavery, where he should have been treated cruelly, he's actually treated better than he was by his brothers in his own hometown. God is shifting the relational architecture of your life for a season for many of you who have been in environments where your dream could live so that, again, it will begin to bud up. It'll spring forth in ways that it hasn't in quite a while. He's later sold into slavery and is promoted in slavery. In slavery, his gifts are recognized there. In slavery, he, he is taken from the bottom of the pool to the highest ranking man in Potiphar's house. It must have been something to be able to spread his wings as a slave better than he could in his own hometown amongst his own relatives. And he's not the only one. Jesus understood something about this. In his own hometown, he could not do many miracles because of the doubt, the disbelief, and the familiarity with him. Even while miracles were being done, people looked at him and said, isn't that Jesus that grew up over here? As he's speaking under the power of the Holy Spirit, people are marveling as they're marveling right mid-marvel. The Bible says they dismiss him as they say, that's Joseph and Mary's son. They, they dismissed him in his own hometown. He's celebrated everywhere else, but he gets home amongst his own relatives and can't even shine. And the Bible goes on to say that Jesus kept moving. He, he looked for a place where he could spread his wings. He looked for a place where people would receive the gift that he had to give. He looked for a place where the grace of God could flow through him and people would receive it. Now, side note, I know we're talking about Joseph. We'll get back there, but let's talk about you right now. What is it in you? What is it in us that attempts to force our gifts, to force our grace, to force what God has given us? 
on people who don't want it. If Jesus, while doing miracles and speaking under authority, under the power of the living God, was rejected in his own hometown amongst people that were too familiar with him. What makes you think that God will not take you out of the places that you've been familiar to bless you, to take you out of the places where you've been familiar to allow the dream to live and the gifts to flourish? When you've been stuck in a toxic environment for too long, there's something in you that says, no, nah, I, I want to be here. I love y'all. But listen to me, I've got to go, at least for this season of my life, because I'm fighting to keep this dream alive. I've got to go. When you've been stuck in a toxic environment for too long, you rather take demotion or less over staying where your worth is never recognized. Yeah, I'd rather stay step down into a place where my growth is limitless than stay in a place where my growth is capped. Let me say it again. I'd rather step down into a place where my growth is limitless than stay in a place where my growth is capped. Here God takes Joseph out of his own household throws him into a pit. You can't go much further down than that. Then brings him into slavery, and it's from slavery or as a servant in Potiphar's house that he makes his way eventually to the palace where he will rule. Yeah, sometimes you have to go down to get to your limitless place. Sometimes you have to go backwards to, to get further ahead because staying where you are will not cut it. You will be capped. Your dreams will be capped. Your aspirations will be capped. Your thoughts will be limited. Your trajectory will go from being aimed upward to being aimed downward. You will not grow any further. You will plateau. Sometimes you need to go down to get up. Yeah, you can keep your baller who is playing you or connect with someone who is building but will love you when you poot in the bed and your breath stinks. Who am I talking to? You can keep your bad chick with her wondering eye or you can let the vixen go for someone who only has eyes for you. It seems like I'm stepping down, but I'm capped right here. Sometimes I need to step down for limitless possibilities. You can keep clocking in to Haters Incorporated LLC from 9 to 5 every day or take a pay cut to gain future growth. Sometimes I need to step down to step back up. I need some growth potential in my life. If I'm talking to you, you just put growth. Type in the, gro the chat growth. If you're tired of where you've been, if you feel like you're stuck, if you came in with aspirations of going higher but you're capped at every turn because you're surrounded by haters, you're surrounded by dream assassin, I dare you to type in growth by faith. I'm not going down. I'm opening up the whole game follow me. It may look like I'm going down. It may look like I'm going backwards, but sometimes to get out of a toxic environment, to get out of an environment full of dream assassins, I'm willing, if it takes it, to go into something that is lower but has a greater 
return long term. I'm not going down. I'm, I'm opening the game up. This is not my last step. This is not my last station. I may be stepping away from you, but listen to me. I may be stepping out of this toxic environment. I may be stepping away from dream assassins, but don't expect me to die. Don't expect my life to fall apart. Don't expect the dream not to come to pass because you don't make the dream happen. It is a God-given, God-inspired dream. And me stepping away from this toxic environment is not what's going to set me up for failure. I know it looks like I'm going down first, but this is not my last step, it's my penultimate step. I told you I used to do the long jump and your most important step wasn't your launch step or last step, your most important step was the penultimate step where you would plant your foot to lower yourself so that the next step you took, you could spring forward. I came to declare to somebody, even if it looks like I'm going down like Joseph into a pit, it is not that I'm going down, it is God delivering me from an environment of toxicity, God delivering me from dream assassins. It may look like I'm going down, but this is not my last step. It's my penultimate step. I'm going down to pop back up. I'm going down so I can go further than I thought was possible. The road to departure, saying goodbye to the dream assassins, saying goodbye to the toxic environment, trust, entrusting yourself into circles of hostility. The road of departure is never smooth. It's often painful. But you've got to go for a while. I'm not saying that God will not reintroduce you back into your circle. But what I am saying is you need to go for a while if it's killing your dreams. If you're finding yourself losing a sense of who you are, your value, your worth. If you're no longer thinking about the possibility, sometimes you have to create room. And it doesn't always mean that I'll never see you again or I don't talk to you, but it's enough room to dream again. It's enough room to believe again. It's enough room to expand again. Now, somebody's listening, and you're going to try to use this word to leave your spouse. That, that is not what I'm saying. You're going to try to use this word to leave the job that's taking care of everything right now, and that may not be the call for you. Sometimes you've got to learn to create room to dream, even with people in your life. And that may mean that the things you're entertaining and need faith for, you don't take to them because they shoot it all down. It may mean that you take that to places where it's celebrated until you get to a place where belief is stirred in you again. Your problem, like me, for many of you, is that you know you need to be in new rooms where you can flourish, but you won't. Do it because you're bound by the curse of perfect departure. Yeah. You're waiting for the perfect way to step away. You're waiting for the perfect way. The one that has no collateral damage. The one that has no problems associated with it. But can I tell you, there is not always an opportunity for perfect departure. 
Sometimes you have to be so captivated by your dream. Sometimes you have to be so captivated by what God has put in your heart that you say, while I want to be here, and while this has been the place I've known, the circle I've known, the group I've known, the job I've known, the town I've known, it is preventing me from going after what God has for me. And sometimes people don't understand when you have to take that journey into another place. They'll understand when there has to be distance created, but sometimes people will never understand that. So I'm here to declare to somebody, stop waiting for perfect departure. You need to make your move. It's killing your spirit. But you don't want them to talk about you when you leave. You're, you're sitting on pins and needles waiting for them to attack. But the enemy is lying to you and telling you if you leave, you'll miss out. If you stay, you're going to miss out. What do you want to miss out on? Do you want to miss out on their talking? Do you want to miss out on their company? Or do you want to miss out on your destiny? You're going to miss out either way. And as long as you're waiting for perfect departure, you're saying goodbye to your destiny while you're entertaining your assassin. Here is the real cost for you staying amongst dream assassins. The cost of you staying amongst dream assassins is your diminishment. You begin to feel your robustness, your strength diminishing daily as you dumb yourself down when you were meant to shine. But you'll stay because you're waiting for people who have dismissed the grace on your life to somehow one day acknowledge it. For every day, you try to get people who are dismissing who you are, minimizing you, hating on the grace on your life. For every day you remain there, it's another day that your light is dim. Why you need to know that your promotion will never come from them. Let me say that again. Your promotion will never come from them. What will give you the strength to break the pack before God breaks you from it is to remember God is the source of your promotion and he can do it from anywhere. When I tell you God can lift you up from anywhere, I mean it. Whether it is in your current position or whether you take a step down and are thrown into a pit. God can promote you in a pit he raised Joseph out. When he was sold into slavery, God promoted him in, the slave, in slavery. He took him from the bottom of the totem pole and brought him up to the highest ranking person in the house. Even when Joseph was thrown into prison, he took him from being thrown into prison, just another common prisoner, to one that had favor with everyone there in 
in prison. And when he came in simply to interpret a dream at Pharaoh's house, he left that meeting as the second highest ruler in all of Egypt. Listen to me. You don't need the people that are hating on you. You don't have to force yourself on people that don't see the grace of God on your life. The Lord can promote you from anywhere. And if he took Joseph from a pit to a palace, he can take you from, listen, an entry-level job to being the CEO of a company. He can take you from being a clerk to the governor. He can take you from being someone who is interning to someone who has their own company. God can promote you anywhere. And you do not have to diminish yourself on the way to get there. Yeah. I don't need to be celebrated by you to get me to where I'm going. That's God's job. And I believe him enough. I trust him enough. I walk with him enough to know that he can do it. I've seen him take me from places of obscurity into places of prominence. I've seen him take me from folks laughing to folks celebrating me. The same individuals. And I praise God for all of them. God is the source of my promotion. He's the source of your promotion and you don't have to spend another day forcing yourself on people that will never recognize his grace in your life. It's God's job to bring promotion. If there is one thing I learned through a pandemic, it's that it wasn't perfect circumstances or even connections, but it was God's Favor that sustains and promotes. In a mess, God can bless without permission, approval, or even partnership. God is the one. The one that gave the dream is the one that brings it to pass. And if there are people who do not want to extend favor to you. God will go around them. He will circumvent them to get you to the person that will bring you into the place he has destined for you. There is a glory. There's a glory he's getting me to. And here is how redemptive he is. Because the blessing is not only for me, but even for the ones who hated, discouraged, and mistreated me. See, that's how we're supposed to end this in the kingdom. It's not just get away from your haters and elevate above your haters and push folks to the periphery and forget about people and disconnect them. No, no, sometimes that is for a season. He just needed Joseph out of their presence long enough for the dream to live. And I don't know who I'm talking to right now. God is a God of redemption. This is not a message to, to cut everyone out of your life and to never look back and to remove yourself because you're the only one that really gets it. No, no, no. This is for a season. God removes Joseph. Joseph would not remove himself. And some of you, God has made these relationships, these circles of toxicity painful enough. 
You've been attacked long enough, made it painful enough for you to break the pact. Joseph wouldn't have left on his own. Even with his brother's hate, he still shows up and shares more dreams with them. God says, Joseph, you, you don't get it, so I'm going to have to do for you what you will not do for yourself, get you up out of here. And he allows his brothers to throw him in a pit, eventually sell him into slavery, and that begins his turbulent road toward rulership and the manifestation of his dream. And there's some of you who are listening that God's shaking the fabric of your relationships. He's shaking your comforts to get you to do what you would not willingly do. Isn't it interesting how his father rebukes him? His brothers hate him. They're constantly jealous of him. But somehow he can't see that because I'm sure he was hoping for the best. Always seeing the good. So God does for him what he won't do for himself. He creates enough turbulence, even through difficulty, through adversity, to get Joseph removed from the place of toxicity, to move him out of the realm of his dream assassins. But as Joseph elevates, and we'll see this in weeks to come, and gets to a place of true rulership. He doesn't use it as an opportunity to take out his haters. He didn't elevate with a chip on his shoulder. There's so many motivated by proving your haters wrong or shining on the one that didn't believe in you. And, and I'm not here to judge you. But when God brings the elevation, you don't need to be motivated by hate. You don't have to continue to climb to prove somebody who dumped you in ninth grade wrong. Joseph, as he elevates, as it relates to his role, he also elevates in his maturity. And this is the redemptive nature of the God that we serve. Sometimes I have to depart for a season so that the dream may live. After I come into stature and after I come into maturity, all of the spoils of my elevation can be used not to curse those who weren't feeling me, but to bless Sometimes even those who did me wrong. Because as God was doing a work in Joseph, he also was creating a need and a vulnerability in the ones that put him in that position. He was working a humility in them through their circumstances. And by the time Joseph gets to the end of his narrative. He has a humility and a maturity he didn't have before. His family has a need and a humility that they didn't have before. And God uses it all. He uses all that Joseph secured to be a blessing to his entire family. And it is all redeemed. But often before then, to ensure that the dream lived, 
God will disrupt the norm and allow turbulence, if necessary, to shift the composition of the relational architecture, if necessary, to get you to the next place. To allow the dream to not only be entertained internally, but for it to be seen, to be manifested externally. At the end of all of it, it'll be for his glory. So until then, Father, we thank you. We thank you for being the one that still speaks to us allows greatness to stir in our hearts despite the environments we're in. Now I pray that you revive, you breathe afresh on your people. Inspire us to reclaim the dream. I pray that you move us through discernment in our will or through circumstance, out of environments that, that cap our destiny and bring us into places where our dreams can flourish and where the possibilities are limitless. And Lord, we pray that as you're bringing elevation, you also cultivate maturity so we can say like Joseph, after it's all said and done, what was meant for evil, you turned it around for good, for the salvation of many. And we'll give you glory for it, God. We'll give you honor. We'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. I pray that wherever you are, wherever you're listening, that this message met you where you are. My prayer is that the dream lives. God is for you, which means even though it may be delayed, no one could stand against you. If you're looking for a church home, a church family, we here at Antioch would love for you to be a part of our family, our church community. If that's you, you're here. I want you to just click on the, the button there, the connect button right there in the thread that you're looking at. And we'll have someone follow up with you to, to make sure we get you connected. Secondly, if you've never made Christ the Lord, the Savior of your life, you want to know more about what that means. You want to understand more about this Christ we live our lives for, who took every penalty we deserved upon himself and paid the price for us as he died, but then rose again the newness of life so that we could have life, not only eternal life, but life and life more abundantly, better life right here on earth. The greatest decision I've ever made. If you want to know more about what it means to, to enter into a relationship with Christ, if you would, just click that link as well that you see there on the screen, and we'll get you connected and share this wonderful faith with you. And finally, if you have a prayer request, prayer need, we would love to pray with you. We have people praying around the clock, seven days a week. We take those requests. Uh, they, we don't share them with a bunch of folks. And, uh, even if you want to leave it anonymous, you can leave it anonymous. But we pray for those needs, and we've been seeing amazing things happen. And so if that's you, you just click on that link, and you fill out the, the card that says uh, you have a prayer request, and we'll make sure that that's being prayed for. 
Well, until next week, I want you to know we love you. We miss you. Can't wait to see you. It's going to be real soon in person. So, Father, we thank you now for being a love in every believing heart, the peace in every believing mind, the breath in every believing spirit, the life in every believing soul. And we say may the saving grace of our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and the sweet communion of his precious Holy Spirit rest, rule, and abide now, henceforth, and forever as becoming more like Christ and our environments are becoming more like heaven. It will matter that we live. In Jesus' name we pray. All those who agree, let me hear you say amen wherever you are. I can hear you by faith. God bless you. Go in peace. We'll see you next week.